Okay, I know I'm late on this episode. We had a little scheduling conflict, but we just got done with uh, former Bucknell in Lebanon Valley uh, basketball coach, Pat Flannery, East Sider. Great interview. So insightful, so um, so generous just with his time. And uh, I, I'm actually very excited for you guys listening to this uh, really cool uh, career he had and kind of interesting and it's amazing. I mean, again, if you guys uh, don't know, uh, his 15th ranked Bucknell back in 05 beat uh, number two Kansas, which was, uh, I guess, up to this year was the biggest uh, NCAA uh, March Madness upset. And then he won a national championship with uh, Mike Rhodes and company uh, at Lebanon Valley back in uh, 1994. So quite accomplished and obviously is very connected to a couple of the big names here in basketball. Um, Mike Rhodes, I just mentioned before. Jay Wright uh, was a freshman when he was a senior at Bucknell. Um, so really interesting. But before we get to that, uh, again, i got to ask you guys. I'm going to open this up here and read it. Got to ask you guys if you're thinking about your retirement. We are sponsored by Darren J. March, who's a certified financial planner with Raymond James. So before investing your hard-earned money, make sure your financial advisor understands your objectives. Uh, Darren is a certified financial planner with Raymond James Financial Services and has been assisting clients in Northeastern PA for more than 17 years. Darren was born and raised in Pottsville. Um, he lives here to this day. So whether you need stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, or tax-favored bonds, or maybe you have an old retirement plan to roll over or your advisor just doesn't keep in touch, Darren can help. Call Darren at 570-640-8010 or email him at darren.march at raymondjames.com. House calls and consultations are free. Raymond James Financial Services, member of FINRA, SIPC, Investment Advisory Services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc., and now on to Coach Pat Flannery. I knew, I, you know, I did, a, I did some research, and uh, I see you grew up on the east side, so I, I won't hold that against you. I know your your uh, nephew John said, you know, you couldn't trust anybody from the east side. So, yeah, yeah, he wished he let you grew up in the east side. He would have been a little tougher. <laughs> now it's funny you say that. So east side is known for being, you know, a, a, a tough part of uh, Pottsville, especially you know when when you were growing up. And, uh, you know, I was reading that, yeah. you, you know, you, I'm sure at that neighborhood, at that Greenwood Hill playground, I mean, every season, whether you're playing <laughs> basketball, stickball, football, what was your favorite? What was your time to shine? What season was the best for you? Well, I, a lot of mine, my time was in Jackson Street, um, which okay. was where Mickey Fountain, where Mickey's Fountain was. And sure. Greenwood Hill was kind of like, if you wanted to go up the hill and go up there, you could get a game up there. But most of the game up there was football. We didn't play a lot of basketball because it was only half court. They had a they had a, they had a rim against the pole in front of the firehouse, so you didn't get to play much of that. You could play some stickball, but the banks were so deep that if you hit the ball like the way we did, you, you could lose balls easily. So most of my time was on Jackson Street. Um, but um, depending on what the season was, but you know certainly basketball was was. I mean, growing up there was just just fantastic we had a full court um that off to the side um behind the schoolhouse and uh you could go up there any day of the week you go up there when it was snowing and you could find a game um because there was always somebody you know the the fun part was that the ages were so various sure. uh, like it wasn't like just your buddies um you would have my older brother's friends and you know, they would give you a game. I can remember being 12, 13 years old and playing against 17, 18, maybe somebody out of school. 
and you either you either played and they picked you or you sat. Um, so you had to learn who to get the ball to at the right, who to get the ball to if you were going to get picked again. <laughs> now, did anyone was did you have a rival out there growing up? I mean, someone who got in your head who who could knew knew what buttons to push with you to kind of get you off your game a little bit. No, the only thing I remember more than anything, I, I the the guys in our neighborhood were good guys. Some of them, like I said, were friends of my brothers that were older. The East Side didn't get a lot of varsity athletes at the time. Um, it seemed like the high school. I mean, we always not. I, I can't say I, I complained about a lot, but growing up, you always heard that East Side had a lot of athletes, but they never seemed to go out when when it got to be varsity sport. So we had a lot of kids up there that loved playing ball, but never really part of the clique, never part of the part of the West Side, and uh, and didn't and played ball up there, but really didn't play for the high school. Um, I mean, my family did, but there wasn't a whole lot of kids. The Ambroses were one that played from the East Side. Um, I mean, Barang was from past there. He was up in, I think, Mirwall or Poor Carbon. Um, but uh, we had our we had our group of guys, and we played. But as far as like names and everything, um, you wouldn't know a whole lot of names. What what was fun though is because people knew the games were being played up there. Is every once in a while you would get uh, the Wilsons or you'd get Johnny Waters, who was like an idol growing up, and uh, these guys would come and and want to play you know at our playground and that that was neat when somebody would come from outside the area and then you know then they, maybe they'd come back again in a couple of weeks or we might go to Myersville street and play up there but uh yeah it, it was just uh it was a group that that knew each other and uh like i said all the different ages it was a it was a heck of a lot of fun yeah i mean i know just growing up east siders they're they're probably one of the most competitive groups, uh, you know, especially growing up in Pottsville. I, we still play a Thanksgiving Day game every year up there at Nativity uh, Soft or the baseball field, and uh, Mike Could Welsh, really? yeah, Mike Welsh, who's a East Sider, yeah. he uh, yeah. he plays in it every year. Yeah. He was on an episode before too, so I, I know very well of uh, uh, the East Side uh, competitiveness. Now, yeah, you know what I think? It, I think I think it was Alfredo really. I mean, to finish that conversation. I, I think it was a little bit when I look back on it, cause I've lived in, a lot, in different areas. I think it was a little bit of a chip on our shoulder in that, um, you know, we, we, we were very comfortable. We, we grew up with great families. We had big families. Um, maybe they had them all over Pottsville, but up in the East side, we didn't have quite as much. I mean, we, uh, you know, the pool, the pool situation and, and the school, and even though we had nativity up in the Hill, um, we had all those elementary schools, but everything seemed to happen on the West side. So I think it was a little chipping a shoulder when you pass Route 61 and you get up on that, that neck of the woods. Yeah, and I and you guys had the coldest public pool in I think probably all of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> that fresh water. Where are you from, from originally, Alfred? I'm I'm from Pottsville. I'm born and raised in Pottsville, but I uh, where I I grew up not in Forest Hills on Glenworth Road, right by the Calvary Cemetery. Oh. So I was a little secluded. Oh myself. sure. Um, you ate a lot of Pottsville pizzeria. Yeah, right up the hill from the Pozzo Pizzeria. So, I uh, nothing better than Pozzo Pizzeria. That that's very true. Hopefully, I get them on for one episode. <laughs> now, so you you play varsity basketball under Coach Steidel, correct? Actually, I played varsity baseball with Steidel. Um, I played for Kenny Klein in basketball. Okay, but Coach Steidel was Coach Klein's assistant. So uh, we got two straight season with uh, with Coach Steidel. So uh, he was a part of he was part of everything we did. Now, then, then you go to Bucknell, and you know you're a standout there, uh, point guard, correct? Yes. Yep. When did you? I was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was. Uh, 
I was very fortunate in that uh, I, I don't know if college was on the horizon. Um, nobody, you know, in, in our my family and up there on the east side that really went away. Um, and uh, I, I don't think it was something I, as a junior and all, was really thinking much about. And then um, uh, I kept having good years and got exposure in the East Penn League. And some people down there at Lafayette and Lehigh started paying attention and saying, you know, this kid that comes down from Pottsville can play. And then uh, Bucknell got involved. And, you know, I think one of the saving things, everybody has a story, but I had a math teacher who was a, another guy to interview who you would enjoy, Charlie Sakavich, oh, okay. who was a great wrestler and a math or a history teacher. I had him in high school and he was a wonderful guy. We all loved him. And we, we found out he went to Bucknell and I think he nudged me a little bit and whoever got a hold of coach Willem, they started coming and watching games. And, um, that's how I ended up uh, getting up there because it was going to be Lehigh Lafayette or Bucknell, something, something in that area, uh, in that area. Cause I sure wanted my family to see me play. So, uh, I had, talked to Davidson and some other people, but some of them were just too far for me. Sure. So, uh, so by the time, yeah. So by the time it wasn't like it is now where you're recruiting, offering us sophomores and juniors. I mean, you recruited seniors then. Right. And, uh, yeah, so it worked out and it was great. And guys like Frank Shaneman, who was a buck or is a Bucknell guy. Um, they also got involved with my family. So, uh, it was just really good people. So it was an easy place to run to. Now, when did you decide you wanted to coach? When did you say like, okay, I, I could be a coach for a living. Well, that kind of happened. Uh, so I go to Bucknell, and I, I got very fortunate that I can uh, that I can start as a freshman, and, and it was unique in the way we ran and what we did and what I brought to the table. So I had a great four years and really enjoyed it. And when I graduated from Bucknell, um, I graduated with an econ political science degree, which my son's going to graduate in May from uh, Johns Hopkins. Okay. And uh, I graduated. I graduated with that, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And you know, I, I love being home, but that's not where I was going. Um, people up there go into New York, they go to Pittsburgh, they go, you know, anywhere but back home. And um, I took a job with uh, Stouffer Foods in Cleveland, Ohio. Hmm. And I was, I, I, honestly, Alfred, I was going to be a plant manager. Um, I was out there learning the ropes, um, teaching people and, and coaching people to get more, more bread off the line and huh. to get more pizza done. And um, that was like, that was what I was doing. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the people. They were tremendous. Cleveland was so different for me. I'd never lived away from home other than Bucknell. And uh, I was helping out with a high school guy out in Solon, Ohio. And uh, I was working out with the kids. I was still in good shape. I was playing up in the flats and in, in, during the weekend. I was probably one of two white guys in the whole league um, and loving it. And these guys worked at the Stouffer's as well. So I had a great rapport. So I was really enjoying it. And uh, when I uh, was helping these kids at high school, the high school coach got sick. And uh, the last couple games of the year, they asked me to, to help and, and take the team. And uh, I never really thought about coaching, to be honest with you. And um, when that came, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I really enjoyed the, the whole aspect of being on the bench and seven kids. And, and I, could, I knew the game. I could see the game. Um, and I felt like I a lot of value. So what I did was I started talking back home to Bucknell and coach Woolham said, well, listen, you get into grad school here, you come back and help me. And I had a wonderful Dean that was at Bucknell at the time said, come on back and be a dorm monitor. Like I was in charge of dorms. <laughs> and, um, I went back there for two years, got my master's. I, I ended up, I ended up meeting my wife who was a, a freshman when I came back and, uh, I did that for two years. 
and uh, I got to know some coaches. And at the end of two years, I had to make another decision. And I had the offer to go back to Stouffer's. I had an offer to go to Weiss Markets. And I had an offer to go to Drexel University as a grad, you know, as, an, as a full-time basketball assistant. And uh, I did it then for 30 years. Wow. Now, I, yeah. I, I didn't, um, and I'm almost embarrassed, I didn't realize that you were the coach at LVC until I start doing some some uh, research. I mean, I, obviously, I know your Bucknell yeah. fame. Now, you guys, this is pretty incredible. I mean, you kind of have this knack of uh, being the, the David that beats Goliath because – and so 1994, <laughs> you guys win, you win the Division Three National Championship, and you beat NYU. So LVC, I think, had 850 students. 850, I think they said, yeah. And, yeah. and NYU had 49,000. And I actually watched a, a part of the game on um, on on YouTube. Did you really? Good for you. And I know there yeah. was, you know, there was a, a little bit of a controversy at the end of the game. But what I what I really love about it was that LVC team. That was a lot of uh, coal region guys, right? I mean, you had Mike Rhodes. Uh, I mean, he was an incredible player. Yeah. Yep, he was. Um, John Lazicki was from Mount Carmel. Um, the, the, probably the, one of the most amazing stories is Scott Stevenson, who averaged four or five points a game for Pottsville High School. He was our center, our starting center. <laughs> and uh, Mark Hofsass was from down in Lower Dauphin. We had a kid from Middletown. What happened was I was at Drexel at the time, and um, I was looking, I thought I was ready to have my own program. I was 30. I was getting ready to get married. And um, uh, I got a call from Lebanon Valley out of the blue. And it, they had some coal region ties, a guy by the name of Lou Sarantino from Shimoka, and who was just a fantastic guy, and a guy by the name of Rinzo Marquette, who both guys were originally teachers and, and coaches up in, the, up in that coal region. Well, one was the dean and one was the athletic director at Lebanon Valley. So they interviewed a coal region guy, and I went down and, the, the thing about it is, uh, and, and again, this is just a fact the way it was, is they'd had like 18 straight losing seasons there. So when I took the job, I, you know, there's no way you could go but up. But fortunately, and I say this in all sincerity, because that first team, they, they we won some games and won the ECAC. They, those kids could play, and it wasn't anything to do with the coaching. I think it just was a matter of, these kids needed to buy into something and they were tired of getting beat. And so I had this group of seniors that to this day are dear friends of mine at Lebanon Valley, our first year. And we went on and won the ECAC. I think we finished 18 and nine. That was their first winning season. Then we got Rhodes. Then we got Hofsass. Then we got Stevenson. And so we built it. And then in five years, we were able to, to win the national, the national championship. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just crazy to think too. I mean, so what what made that team so good? I mean, was it did, did they kind of well, adapt this coal region attitude of just tough, you know, tough defense, you know, good well, shooting? Well, I, I I like to think that the way we played, um, but it had something to do with it. Where we became a real hard nosed defensive team. But the thing that everybody has to know, and this will be a theme throughout, I'll say the same thing at Bucknell. Um, I had very good players. And we recruited very good players. Don Friday, who was with me all along, who's from the Cole region, who's now the head coach at Penn State Harrisburg. Uh, he worked his tail off. Mark, Mark um, Copeland, he came over with me. He had graduated from Dickinson the year before. He came over and helped me. And Daryl Hess, who played for me. So these guys worked hard. So we started building some nice, a nice program with some local kids who really got along, really cared about each other. We became a good defensive team. We did some things that were different than people were doing. But these kids had skills to score. So all of a sudden now we're going down and, 
F&M is the king of the hill, and all of a sudden we're going down and we're beating them on their floor. So it wasn't by accident that, like, all of a sudden, you know, we had, we had beaten a couple of Division II teams, and we had, a, we had good teams. The, the community got behind it because they hadn't, they hadn't had a winner in a long time. Um, the football coach at Lebanon Valley became a great friend of mine, so football kids came out and we supported each other. It was just a real magical time, and it was so much fun because um, you knew the president first name. You knew the provost, the dean, dean um, as, I, as I mentioned be, before, Marquette. Um, it, everybody just bought into it. It was just fantastic. And we went up and went up to Buffalo, and uh, we beat Wittenberg in, in uh, double overtime, and then we ended up beating NYU. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to leave. I mean, if it wasn't Bucknell, I, I, I probably would have stayed down there. I love it. I still love them. What's, I could probably tell you this now. I remember when they won, I was, uh, I guess I was about 12 and, uh, I had an older brother <laughs> and he had a party at the house when my parents went away. And I remember like four or five guys from the team were there. And I was like, I was just like enamored because I was, I was, I remember being like, Oh man. So I, and they, and then they pretty much said that they didn't, they didn't stop partying probably for the whole week. I mean, the one guy was, I just remember him being huge. I have no idea who it is. I, I wouldn't know him if I saw him yeah. today, but I, I just remember how cool it Good. was that they won the, uh, you know, the national championship. Yeah. Now yeah, they were tight. They were a tight bunch. When you went to, so you go to Bucknell and what's the biggest adjustment? I mean, do you, do you coach the same way division three as division one, or do you have to adjust a little bit? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, First of all, um, the 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 probably the two weeks or whatever it was after we won it all, um, we we had a baby boy and my wife was pregnant when we were up in Buffalo. She had to get approval to be able to go to the championship, so that was a big adjustment for me. Um, and then going back to your alma mater, mm-hmm. what people don't realize, Alfredo, when you go back to a place where where you were loved and you loved the place, you want to succeed so bad, you know, that you go back to a place like that. You want everybody. But they got to realize that you've grown up a little bit too. You know, you're no longer the the 17 year old, 18 year old kid that came to campus. So you're thinking about a lot of things when you go back. Um, but as far as the system and the way we played, um, I wasn't at a place where you could just take a system and say, okay, we're going to get these recruits and this is the way we're going to play. You had to adapt a little bit. When I first got to Bucknell, um, I played a lot different than the coach I played for. Um, Charlie Rowland was fantastic. They called him the Breaking Bisons. And they used to go up and down, and they scored, you know, we scored big numbers, big points. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't always know if we could stop people, but we scored big points, and we had a lot of big wins, and Charlie was very, very successful. Um, but when, when I went up there, um, we had to get the kids to buy in a little bit to, to get in some stops on the defensive end. I thought that's the way we could not only win the league, but I thought we could compete with some people nationally if if we could line up with them and maybe defend a little bit as well as as – have a good freedom in, on offense. So I like to think as we went up there, we started building and getting guys we want. Again, I was very fortunate to have a group of seniors, just like I did when I took over the Lebanon Valley program. I had a group of seniors at Bucknell that were just phenomenal people, not only players. And one of them was Dave Steigerwall from up in Chicxinny, who played up at Northwest. Um, just a wonderful human being. I inherited him. A kid by the name of Wayne, Keelan Golden. These were guys that were there when I got there. So we went through there. We, we won the league the first year. We tied with Colgate. We had a good run. And then the league started changing a little bit where the league went to some scholarships. Um, and we were the last ones to go. And all of a sudden, some of the talent level in the league, we were competitive and we kept getting to championships and we, and we were winning. Um, 
but we just felt like um, like we had in order to compete. We had a we, we didn't go toe to toe with a lot of people. We we just tried to counter and jab, and and uh, we got a few good players and and had some talent like J.R. Holden. Um, but then as we went along and we we got some more talent, we we did get a couple scholarships. Then late um, when when uh, when I was when we were uh, in that in that oh five oh six oh seven. And uh, so during that course of the year, I always had great kids, but we played the same way in a lot of ways. We played a lot of the same way defensively. Uh, the clock caused us to get a little quicker offensively, which was fine. We had kids that could score. And uh, we started knowing the league. But the thing I'm most proud of, Alfredo, is we were, if you look at our record, we were always in the top two or three in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at our schedules, just like I did at the Valley, I always felt I would play anybody anywhere. And uh, to this day, our kids talk about it. We've been in some of the neatest places. Um, and we were in Albuquerque, and we've been at Duke, and we've been at Northwestern and uh, Syracuse and Pitt. And so we played anywhere. And I'm really proud of that. I never did it to, for, to, to get a record or to have a winning record or to play down. I always did it because I thought it was the greatest experience to play college ball against the best. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I did a... I did a documentary a couple of years ago on George Curry from Berwick. And that was one of the things, you know, that kind of put them on the map. He says, you know, we start going down to Washington and playing, you know, uh, Gonzaga down there and, you know, kind yes. of just, just playing yep. these big teams because I mean, just a great experience, but also, you know, you want to test your, your metal outside the area and it's, it, it only, it only helps you, you know, going down the road. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Now, so was it 2002 where you had to upset? What year was that? What, what, you guys were 15th ranked, right? Uh, I'm, I, I'm thinking, yeah, I think it was five. Oh, five. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and what, you know, again, as, a, as I mentioned to you with the Lev Val, where you have to beat some people to get there. Uh, what people forget when we beat Kansas is that season, you know, we also beat Pitt at Pitt. Um, Xavier at say, I mean, we, wow. we, we had some, we had some pretty good, good wins. I mean, I, I think I looked at it one time between Bayheim, Self, Mack, and them. I think we're like seven and zero against <laughs> some of those some of those guys. I mean, we we played some good people, um, but I think that confidence thing really added up. And then we got a big uh, a big center from Germany. Um, you know, we had uh, we had a kid from Chicago. Matter of fact, I told you I'm leaving uh, tomorrow. I'm going over to he's getting married over in, in England. Oh, neat. Um, a bunch of us are going over to the wedding. So. Again, there's a central theme. You don't get these good teams if the kids don't care about each other and look out for each other, and, and that was a real special group too. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, for our listeners, you know, don't know, Bucknell was 15th ranked, and you guys knocked off number two Kansas, which at the time was up, I guess, probably until this year, was the biggest upset in you know NCAA tournament history. Yeah, it was. It was one of them. It was one of them there, and uh, yeah, it was. It was uh, again uh, the kids that I had. Um, could play with those, you know, could play with those guys. Now you don't go into there and say, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to beat them. What you do is you try to hang on, you hang tight, you're down two at halftime. All of a sudden you get to look in their eyes. They're, they got a little panic. You got a little confidence. You hit a couple more shots and, you know, that's a formula. But yeah, but again, it goes back to what I said. Yeah, you have to play some defense um, against those kind of teams and you have to line up with them that the officials don't lose interest early because you don't look like them. And, we looked like them. We had some big kids. We had good size. Um, you know, we had some kids that could play. Now, how hard was it to come back? Because uh, what you guys you guys played that game on a Thursday and Friday. How hard was it to come back after that huge win and, and keep them motivated? Because the second game was really close too. 
Yeah, it's not the case of motivation, um, Alfredo. If you've ever been in that position, what it's a case of you have so little time to turn around, mm-hmm. um, and all of a sudden you go from you go from preparing for Kansas, which was pretty wide open, and they had a lot of athletes, and they 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 were running and gunning. Now you're playing Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is very disciplined, and they 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 play a match and they run a patent offense and they execute and and they do they play a lot different than Kansas. And you only have one day, really, because you have to keep the kids' legs. Um, you don't want them tired more than anything. So uh, it's tough to prepare like that. It, it's a reason why, if if you're ever looking at the, the NCAA pools and stuff, take a look at somebody that plays on a Friday and a Sunday that has a little different style. I, I firmly believe it's why Syracuse gives people so much trouble, because you don't see zones that much right. anymore. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're playing them, and then you have to turn around in, in a day after playing somebody man-to-man. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Syracuse. They have sure. a great program. He does a great. He does a great job, but they're a lot easier to prepare for if you have a couple of days than if you have one day. It's interesting too because the coal region is not necessarily known for it. You know, it's more it's more of a football area. But you know, this year I I, I tweeted out. You know, this year's Final Four. The the head coach of Notre Dame's women's team. She's she's born in Pottsville. Uh, George Alcovich is an assistant with Villanova. Yeah, and uh, yeah, George George Jr. and uh, Joe Bosack. He uh, he's not a basketball player, but he's a graphic uh, artist from Pottsville. He actually designed the Final Four logo every year, so it's kind of neat. Does he really? Yeah, yeah. He he's been oh. doing it. He's actually, I think he actually even designed the Bucknell uh, logo. He's huge. Um, he was on a couple. Is couple he weeks. real? And it and it's Bosack. Joe Bosack. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now that's great. One thing too, I see. You know, I I don't know if you want to call it your coaching tree, but you know, Mike Rhodes, who played under you. I mean, he's now a head coach. uh, You know, successful. Yep. And then you have, uh, you know, Coach Wright from Villanova. He was a freshman when you were a senior, and you kind of took him under your wing. I mean, it's. I imagine for you, it's it's you almost like a proud father to see. You know some of your assistants, teammates. I mean, you know, Jay Wright is arguably the best coach in basketball right now. I mean, it's crazy the program he built down there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of neat to to see these guys and what they what they, you know, what they're doing and to be in touch and know that they're still, you know, really down to earth and uh Jay's a long story. I mean, he was selling tickets for the Philadelphia Stars in the old USFL football huh. league and I was at Drexel at the time and I got an offer to go to Rochester. And um, I knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to coach. He was selling tickets, and I got him to Rochester. The next year, I left Drexel to go to William and Mary, and I got him to Drexel. And in that summer, he became being around Philly. He ended up befriending the Massimino family, and he ended up on Raleigh's crew, and, wow. and that's how he got started with that. But when you mention these guys like Mike Rhodes and fabulous person, great coach, and then the thing I'm proud of with those guys also is. Carl Danzig is the head coach at Scranton. He was with me for a number of years at Bucknell. Mark Prosser was just named the head coach at Western Carolina. And Nate Davis, who's back here at Bucknell, I brought Nate here. Um, I hired him um, sight unseen because of Mike's recommendation. I shouldn't say sight unseen. I I really enjoyed him. I brought him to campus. And I was looking for a different voice, Alfredo. You know, you hear when guys are around you, they tend to tell you what what you want to hear. And it was a great hire because Nate came in with a different perspective and I had a great respect for him. So these guys, as they go along and my, my best friend in the world, um, and, and has been with me for so long, 
Donnie Friday went up, had a, a great success at Lyco, went to St. Francis, and now he's doing really good things down at Penn State Harrisburg. So it's fun to see these guys. And my son announced that he wants to coach, so he's going to be down at VCU next oh, year as a grad assistant with, with Mike Rhodes. Wow. Now, yeah. you, could you beat Mike in a free throw competition? You know, I don't think I could, um, but I but who's ever listening, don't tell Mike that. Because <laughs> he was what ninety three percent his senior year, or something crazy, right? Uh, he was he was just an unbelievable player. You talk about IQ and talent. Um, he, he, you know, he really could have played. Uh, he could have played a lot of uh, played maybe anywhere in Division One. He he was that good. He could have played Division One. Um, the way it worked out, I'm tickled that we we got him. He was able to develop what more than be the national player of the year and to win a national championship. So I don't think Mike would trade it, but he was that good, Alfredo. He was really a good player. Yeah, I remember they did they did an article on Great him. Great player. Sports Illustrated, right, back back when he was there? I mean, yeah, yeah. He he was always funny when, after we left there, we came up to Laval, or we came up to Bucknell. Mike always would come back because he was coaching at randolph Make. He'd come back and he'd work camps and all. And uh, it was always neat to see him play against my players and all because they'd always leave the gym him and his uncle Davey Holland, they used to work the camp all the time. And it, my players would always leave the gym going, man, coach, that guy could really play. This was after he was out. Of, this was after he was out a couple of years. How about coach Wright? Could he play back in the day? Yeah. Coach, coach Wright was a different story. Uh, you mentioned about a senior, right? I actually got to recruit him when I was a junior. He came in and in my senior year, he was his first year. And, um, he, he was a six foot three, uh, Wanted to be a point guard, was a little bit of an off guard because he liked shooting it. Um, so he was kind of like an in-between. And he, he, he had a good career at Bucknell. But as a junior, I came back from and did that graduate school. So I had him when I was a senior, he was a freshman. I left for a year, I came back as a junior. Or he was a junior, I came back to grad school. So I had him as his junior and senior year. And senior year, they brought in a, a, we brought in a kid from St. Albans in D.C., by the name of Jay Andrews, who ended up being a three-time All-League, and he took he, he took that spot. So Jay's senior year, um, it was a tough season for him. We went through a lot because he was playing, but he wasn't starting. And um, he he's one of the most competitive people you'd be around. I mean, I think that's why we we got along pretty good. We he couldn't count pickup score, and I couldn't keep count pickup score. So we were arguing from the minute he walked on campus if it was seven six or six five, and. So him being so competitive and not starting, it, it made for a long senior year, but he handled it well. He worked hard at it. And you know what? I really believe this. I think the best coaches, if you really want to do a documentation, the best coaches are the guys that have gone through some adversity and understand what it's like to come off the bench. They understand what it's like to maybe not get what you want, to not be the best player on the court. And if you look around at the coaches that are successful, it's not usually the guy that was a top scorer on his college team or anything like that. It's usually the guy that had to pay attention to detail or how to find a way to get an edge. And you go mm -hmm. around that, I don't know about football, but in basketball, they're some of the best coaches you're ever going to see. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, because well, a lot of times a, a good player, not necessarily they can't be a good coach, but, you know, if you're so talented, like, like you know, Michael Jordan probably wouldn't be a great coach because he could do things that no one else can. Right. So, you know, for him to teach they, that is no impossible. Exactly. They have no understanding whatsoever um, when you're that good of what it's like if you can't drop step and just score over somebody or you can't just blow by somebody because you have a better handle. And uh, 
and I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying I think the compassion and the understanding of people that were in the game and had to learn the game and the intricacies, I, I think as a coach, you're a lot better. You might make a lot more money if you were a great player right. during your <laughs> career, but as coaching, I think you get a chance to, to really be able to understand. Did you teach him how to dress uh, so sharp? No, no, no. I I learned from from a guy that was a high school coach who was probably the last guy to ever be a college coach out of high school. By guy by the name of Eddie Burke um, in Philly. God love him. He passed away. And Eddie used to wear khakis and he'd wear a tweed jacket. The tie was crooked, and and I, that's all I ever did my whole lifetime. I got a couple suits when I came to Bucknell, and for big games I used to wear a suit or two, but. I was never really comfortable dressing like that boy. Plus, I don't look like him, and I'm not as tall as him. So he gets yeah, he's got him. great hair too. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a little touch up, but he won't admit it. <laughs> now, last question here: what What does you know? You you've you've gone on to do great things outside the area. What What has been from the coal region? What, what do you What do you take from your days from, from you know growing up on East Side? What do you take from there into your everyday? Well, uh, you know, it, I want to answer you not a cliche and all. And again, I don't know who's all listening. Maybe it's three of my buddies. Maybe it's uh, a couple thousand. <laughs> I think we got like 10 people right? listening, so we're good. <laughs> well, I really appreciate this and I appreciate those people. And thank you for, for doing this because I think they're great no, stories. No, it's my pleasure. What, what, I, what I really believe is, is a work ethic in the coal region. And it's not a cliche. Uh, you know, my, my dad worked a couple jobs. He never saw me really play high school ball because he worked in the, in the Reading at, at a newspaper. But when he retired and saved every penny he had, he came to a lot of my college games. That's really when he first really got to see me play because he was working night shift. My mom used to call the scores in and tell him what I did. But I think between that and my mom working, I'm growing up in the east side, and you know, I had everything from a paper route to, uh, you know, to, to putting digging fences, holes in the, in the summer. Uh, my summer was spent working in an extruder factory at Exxon when even when I was at Bucknell. And I didn't have any rough than anybody else, but I think there was a work ethic there that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nobody's going to outwork you. And if you get that and, and you have something that you passionately love, um, I went from the coaching and you said about my career, I, I had a second career uh, president asked me to, to help them here to build the university and to, to grow it. And I've been part of a, a couple of really successful major campaigns where it's all about relationships and it's listening to people and, and friendships. And that's the thing about coaching that uh, I, I think I miss the most, uh, it, the kids and, and the practices, not the recruiting and all that, but the relationships. But where I've been able to fill that in is my son just got done four years of, of uh, college playing at Johns Hopkins. Uh, I got to see both of my boys play high school ball. And uh, that is that is filled it in, and then I have these folks like Jay and them that anytime I want to get into a practice or want to help mm-hmm. or or want to be involved, um, I go to a Maryland practice or BC or uh, Scranton or wherever wherever my guys are, I can go and I can go and see them, and that's awesome. Uh, that's that's filled a lot of it, and I I've enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much. That was great. Uh, I think our listeners are really going to enjoy that. I I definitely did, and uh, I think it was good. Definitely. Good. Uh, insightful so i really appreciate it well we're certainly uh, a career of it you got a lot of stories and i hope someday I, all these things i write down i don't forget so i can i can put them into something because uh um like i i had a kid holden who was the point guard for the russian national team in the olympics 
Putin had made him a citizen. He was from Wil- uh, Wilkinsburg, PA, huh. and he took me over to Beijing with him for two weeks for the Olympics in, in what, 06 or 04? 06. Wow. And uh, it's, th- it's those kind of things that it's all about relationships. So I think you're probably building them with the people you're talking to. And once you're cold region, you're always cold region. So you can come up on the east side anytime you want to. Just bring your pass along. So Okay, I'll, I'll bring the pass. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Great to talk all with right. you. All right, I'll be in touch. Thank you. All right, all the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Definitely one of our uh, more insightful interviews. But tune back next week. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who we have on. Again, if you have any ideas, feel more than free to uh, text me, email me, whatever it is. Um, Hopefully we get some more uh, guests lined up and uh, keep it going. Thank you. See you next week.